Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Last month, amid much fanfare, a new British TV channel was born. Welcome to the launch of GB News, Britain's news channel dedicated to covering the news that matters to you. It billed itself as a place where people could say the unsayable. They could express their views without fear of being cancelled. And to giving a voice to those who felt sidelined or even silenced in our great national debates. But just weeks after the much-hyped launch, in the heated days after the loss of the Euros, GB News was making headlines of its own by taking one of its presenters off air. I've never understood why people would find it offensive. In fact, why not take the knee now and just say it's a gesture, but it's an important gesture. Gitto Harry had taken the knee in solidarity with England's black football players. And by doing so, he'd become the latest casualty in the culture war. Turns out... There are some voices GB News is keen to silence. But the first sign that the audience were disagreeing with the point of view that I put forward as gently and rationally, I was cancelled. I was literally shut down. So what was it like to be in the eye of the storm? In his only interview on the incident, Gitto Harry takes us behind the scenes at GB News. What's the future for the channel? And what does the whole episode tell us about the divisions in Britain today? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, GB News, free speech and a very polarised nation. I think the story really starts the night of the Euros themselves. And I was heading into GB News to do my own show and got off the tube, the underground, at Paddington about four o'clock. The veteran broadcaster, comms guru, and former aide to Boris Johnson 
Gitto Harry was just a few weeks into his new role as a presenter at GB News. He was also days away from losing his job, but he didn't know that yet. And there's a whole load of England football fans en route to Wembley, all of them in their, in their jerseys, quite loud, and they notice that the stretch of canal outside Paddington Station is now described as Little Venice. Word association was immediate. Venice is in Italy. Italy are our opponents today. We hate our opponents. And off they went. You can stick your little Venice where the sun don't shine. And I was just struck, having never been interested really in football, found it quite distasteful, found the game boring, never really been an English supporter because I'm Welsh. I was just reminded of this really vulgar, rather nasty side to football. Anyway, I did my own show then. It was great. We all know what happened at the game. Three guys missed penalties. Three of them happened to be black. Cue the most horrendous racism that was clearly so close to the surface for it to re-emerge like that, rear its ugly head with so little provocation. And having never really been a fan of taking the knee, I just realised if racism is that close to the surface in football, then I kind of get it. That grim realisation would soon lead to a media storm. Two days later, Gitto was presenting on the morning news show alongside GB News regular Mercy Moroki. I was filling in for another presenter, co-presenting with uh, Mercy, who has very, very strong views on this. These are the kinds of conversations I want to be having that actually support these communities and tangibly help them in a material way. And that's why I'm always against these uh, gestures, because they're quite empty. She is of Kenyan origin herself, but pretty hardcore that taking the knee is a deference to Black Lives Matter and a specific agenda that involves defunding the police, that involves, you know, breaking capitalism. Ludicrous stuff in the end, but sincerely held view by her. So we had a little chat before going on air, and I said, well, I've changed. I've gone from not being comfortable with it to being now seeing that they had to do this. And there was a sort of, well, fair enough, we've got a bit of a debate. That's it. That's what they like. You know, the, the danger is if you both agree, then what are you going to talk about for yeah. 10 minutes at the top of the programme? So we went on air. And just as I was going into the studio, I said, well, why don't I take the knee? And they said, well, if you want to, if, you, if you're comfortable, do it to camera three. That was it. We went in. So there was a conversation before. There they was a knew conversation, this was going to discussed happen. Discussed it with co-presenter, discussed it with the producer of the programme, even ran over to the lovely man who was head of the newsroom, who has since resigned. And he was comfortable with it. So we went ahead. We started the discussion. Mercy said her bit. I said mine. And we were on a sofa anyway. So it wasn't that difficult to just slip off the sofa onto the knee. I remembered halfway through not to be too profile not with my sort of profile anyway. So I turned to the camera and finished off my explanation. In fact, why not take the knee now and just say it's a gesture, but it's an important gesture. And, you know, it's not about me in the studio, but for them to do that as footballers on the field, makes sense because they're saying it's just not right. And racism has no place in football and no place in modern Britain. Talk me through the explanation. What did you think you had to say to be able to justify taking the knee on a channel like GB News? I wanted to make it clear that I was not endorsing 
Black Lives Matter, I think I made it very clear that, you know, I'm not in favor of defunding the police. I may have even added that while I was for Boris Johnson, of all people, not known for being woke himself, we actually increased the number of police on the streets of London. I was very proud of that. Certainly don't want to collapse capitalism. I've since been called a Marxist, which is hilarious to people who know me. So I made a lot of this clear and then just said, having seen how close to the surface that racism was, I now get it. I now get why these boys feel that every time they walk onto the pitch, they've just got to make this simple but powerful gesture just to say there's no place for racism in football or in or in modern Britain. And so much so that I'm going to do it here now. As you're doing it, do you, do you already have a sense that this is going to evoke a reaction? I felt very clear about the argument that I was making, and I have not doubted uh, the the case I made since. But as you know, when you are broadcasting live, there's a lot of adrenaline in the blood anyway. And doing something like this was unorthodox, shall we say. And there's an element of showbiz about it. I I hesitate to say that because it wasn't a trivial gesture. It was a very, very serious point that I wanted to illustrate. But there was an element when I got down on my knee of realizing this is a sort of moment in television. But I carried on presenting for another two and a half hours. And we discussed the moment at least twice after that, because every hour the head of digital comes onto the program to say, what is the reaction among our uh, our audience to the program itself and topics we discuss? And she came in and said, I don't think they like that very much. Uh, but it was quite gentle at that point. An hour later, it was a little more violent. <laughs> and then over the next few days, there was an absolute tsunami of hate, basically, and resentment. So to prompt such a reaction is really quite, you know, says a lot that is not particularly nice about modern Britain. Within days, Gitto was very publicly suspended from the channel. He soon quit altogether. We'll have more about that later. But what had drawn Gitto to GB News in the first place? He'd spent 18 years at the BBC. He'd been one of Boris Johnson's closest advisers when he was mayor of London. He'd worked at News International and enjoyed a career as a communications expert. So was he worried about the controversy around GB News? Welcome to the launch of GB News, Britain's news channel dedicated to covering the news that matters to you. GB News, when it was set up, was sort of established apparently, according to Andrew Neil in his big mission statement, so that people weren't caught up in... Another echo chamber for the metropolitan mindset. This was the voice of other people. Committed to covering the people's agenda, not the media's agenda. It's quite clearly an anti-woke crusade. We are proud to be British. The clue is in the name. Were those ideas that you sort of bought into? I needed reassurance right from the start that I got it, that it wasn't going to be a a racist, right-wing, angry kind of Fox News kind of station, which, which it wasn't. And most of the people there are not like that. But there are, there's a lot about the so-called woke culture that, yes, I feel is hugely damaging to modern Britain. This idea that if people have a different point of view, that you don't argue with them and persuade them, you just shut them down. You block them on social media, or you actually cancel them, you boycott them, you stop them coming to speak at your university, you burn the book, you smash the statue. I don't like that. 
And actually, the the reaction to what I did was they didn't say we disagree with Gitahari for taking the knee. Suddenly, I'm a Marxist and I'm woke and I'm a snowflake. All you, of which you were close friends. I was cancelled. the anti-cancel culture channel. <laughs> and that is the ultimate thing, isn't it? Because it was very, very clearly a channel that was going to champion free speech and was going to allow people to have the discussions that in some other places people are uncomfortable with having. And yet at the first sign that the audience were, you know, disagreeing with a point of view that I put forward as gently and rationally, I was cancelled. I was literally shut down. Not immediately, because the first thing they did, of course, was clip the segment and proudly, sort of proactively, push it out on social media. Wait for it to get lots of clicks. Well, yeah. And then, you know, off it goes. Coming up, we'll have more from Gitto on GB News and we'll consider the channel's future. But first, a postcard from Westminster. I'm Henry Zeffman, Chief Political Correspondent of The Times. It's you, listeners and subscribers, who enable me to report on what's going on in the corridors of power in Whitehall and Westminster. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. If you subscribe today, you can enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
are clearly lower than the than the incumbents, but they're not massively out of step. You know, they're in the same broad ballpark. So clearly, from a ratings perspective, they're not pulling up any trees. But I think it would have been crazy to imagine that they were going to have gangbuster ratings. It's just not the sort of game that they're in. So if they haven't gone into this for the ratings, what have they gone into it for? What is their metric of success? It, it's unlikely. I don't believe it was conceived as a significant profit-making exercise. GB News, it would have been very unlikely from a normal sort of sense of metrics that it was going to make a profit. I mean, it's not part of a wider media empire where it can add value to the overall package. I suspect it's been done slightly for ideological reasons and for the same reason that sometimes people buy newspapers, you know, print newspapers, which don't always make money and often lose many millions of pounds because they can exert political influence. There's a prestige elements to it all. And clearly the founders and the backers of GB News did believe that there was a gap in the market in terms of a section of British society that didn't have its views being covered. And they would have been optimistic about monetizing that in some way. But I think really it was an ideological play. And, and you say it sort of buys them influence and power and attention in political circles. Does it still do that though, if it's getting audiences of zero? I would say that in some ways the fact that we're having a conversation about GB News is evidence of the fact that it cuts through above and beyond ratings. So it's how many column inches have been filled writing about this station? How many hours of radio discussion or podcast discussion have taken place over the last couple of months? Lots and lots and lots. What do you think their business model is? Is this all about the, the explosive clips that get shared and passed around on YouTube? Is that how they make their money? Well, that's how they that's how they can build reputation. You're not going to get terribly rich from social media clips, really. I mean, you can make some money from it, but it isn't really a sustainable business model for a, a significant sort of news operation. Honestly, I don't believe that it will break even. There was a controversy where certain groups were trying to pressurise advertising brands and advertising agencies not to spend money with GB News. Within days of its launch, several well-known brands like IKEA, Octopus Energy and Copperberg had pulled their adverts from GB News after a Twitter campaign encouraged companies to boycott the channel. We are sadly in an era of the culture wars. It's real. And that's about polarised debate. It's about cancel culture on both sides. It's about one end of the political spectrum deciding that GB News is a threat to British democracy before it's even gone on air, on one hand. And on the other hand, it's GB News sort of saying, look, we're operating in a sort of leftist, woke police state where you can't say anything anymore. One man who was certainly feeling the effects of not being able to express himself freely anymore was Gitto Harry. A Twitter storm had erupted after he took the knee live on air. Viewers of GB News were threatening to boycott the channel. Gitto picks up the story. By Thursday night, you know, there was a text to call the chief executive. I knew when I was asked to call him that it was likely to be, you know, a conversation about the tsunami of hate and the reaction and all that. So I thought, 
well, let's take charge of this conversation and, and, and make it as pleasant and easy as possible. So I said right at the outset, look, <clears throat> I don't need to feel bad. I want to make this easy for you. If you need to fire me for upsetting the audience, then absolutely, totally get it. I understand. They're very, very angry. It's caused you a nightmare. It wasn't the plan. And if you have to fire me, no hard feelings. You know, we can still be friends. And, and, and then he said, well, no, no, we're just talking about taking a break for the summer. Pretty much. Is that, is that like a suspension or is that so a, the a word suspension holiday? was not sort of not sort of used, but you know, it doesn't take you long to realize that's what it implies. And there's part of me thinking, well, I can join my family in Italy or whatever. And there's part of me thinking, well, you know, sounds like I get paid anyway. But it was there was no hiding the fact that it was a suspension. I thought, well, okay, no harm in that. And I'll sleep on it anyway. I can always ask to be fired tomorrow or offer to resign or whatever. I'll just sleep on it. But we left it like that. How did you become aware? Twenty minutes later, a couple of people sent me texts saying, "Oh God, I'm so sorry. You've been suspended. And what is this all about?" And I. I just text, is there a statement? Oh, there's one on Twitter. Just a little minimal thing. We're not doing any more. And then when I saw the statement, that's when I changed my, until then, very relaxed attitude towards it. Because they basically said that I had been taken off air for breaching editorial standards. Now, for somebody who spent decades in broadcasting and 18 years full-time at the BBC under immense scrutiny, I think I know the editorial rule book that applies in most newsrooms pretty much inside out. So the idea that I was being taken off air for breaching editorial standards was not on. And I tried to get it corrected straight away. I tried ringing and I sent a text and I was ignored. So it's a bizarre state of affairs. So far from combating cancel culture, what they've ended up doing is replicating it on the right and actually creating something, sadly, well, they've chosen their path. They came to a fork in the road very early on, and they chose to go down, I think, a, a dark, narrow alley that leads nowhere. And then to add insult to injury, they bring on Nigel Farage, gloating in all his glory, and the first thing he puts out is, Oh, and also, I won't be taking the knee for anyone on this show. Which apparently is not a breach of editorial standards to sort of declare that, but making a calm rational case um, for supporting the England football squad. You know, that's apparently not on. The new daily Nigel Farage show isn't the only curiosity in the GB news schedule. Andrew Neil, the face of the channel, went on holiday less than two weeks after they'd launched. And it's not clear when or if he'll be back. He did a couple of weeks and disappeared. And Do you, you think know, he'll be back? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really a question for him in the end. But there are two, you know, <laughs> is that set big enough for Nigel Farage and for Andrew Neil? They both represent pretty different things. Would you be surprised if he didn't come back from the south of France or, or came back and just decided not to, to do any more with the channel? Well, <clears throat> I find it hard to leave my beautiful you know, place in the south of France if I had one. In the sunshine to return to Paddington to sort of be the warm-up act to Nigel Farage. And in terms of, the, you know, the requirement for due impartiality, where you've got to show that even if it's not in a particular programme, somewhere across the network, you are, you are presenting differing opinions, differing sides of a debate. 
how does all of that sit with this incident in which Kit O'Harry took the knee and was effectively suspended, sacked really, for breaching editorial guidelines? Yeah, I was surprised by that, to be honest. That's Chris Curtis from Broadcast again. I mean, I think that it's not as though he is some left-wing firebrand that they would have expected that from. But I also think that it's difficult to set yourself up as a kind of platform for free speech and claiming to be anti-cancel culture and then... And then cancel one of your own presenters. Precisely. It's a strange situation. And what do you think, certainly the fact of GB News, its arrival on the scene, tells us about where we are as a country, what UK audiences want, and also its, its rating so far? Yeah, it's hard to say what it tells us about what UK audiences want because not that many people are watching it. It tells us. I mean, does that tell us something yeah, about yeah. what UK I mean, audiences look, want? I guess what it it tells us what I suspect we already knew, which is that political debate and political discourse feels more polarised than ever before. That things are very binary. That the left and the right are at each other like never before, that social conversations are challenging, that this debate about what the, inverted commas, mainstream media is or isn't, is raging in a way that it wasn't before. It doesn't fill me with joy that GB News has launched because the sort of impartiality of British television news for many, many decades has been held sacrosanct and the moment you start to have a channel which seems to take a position on things it slightly muddies those waters but i also think we shouldn't overstate it at the moment has gb news come along and been a threat to british democracy no has gb news come along and fueled hatred in society no but it is different it it, it doesn't have many predecessors and Given the political discourse and the disharmony in in Britain politically at the moment, there is something about the idea of a news channel that has a position on things that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable. And finally, what is the future for GB News? Very hard to say. I think they need to get Andrew Neil back. I think they need to reaffirm exactly what it is that they're trying to achieve and get some high-profile interviewees and not fall foul of the Ofcom Broadcasting Code. Or they will come under pressure to become more and more extreme, more and more outlandish in an attempt to generate more noise to kind of not to lose more viewers and if that happens then the whole thing could unravel more more of the respected mainstream broadcasters may choose to leave so there's kind of two different routes that the broadcaster could go down and we don't know yet which way it's going to head it'll be interesting to see how it pans out from here and what about gitto What does he think will happen to GB News now? Can the channel, which prides itself on being different to the mainstream media, manage to attract a more mainstream audience? It will be very off-putting now for people. A lot of people will take their cue from what happened to me, and some already have by, you know, leaving the channel. But I imagine a lot of people who may have been open, may have been persuadable, 
it will now be incredibly hard. So then it becomes, are there enough of those people who just want to have their own views played back to them? And I don't know about you, but it's tedious in the end, isn't it? Don't we like to sort of, if we have the courage of our convictions, isn't it one of the joys of life to sort of put them to the test? You know, how many of us get up in the morning and say mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the loveliest of them all, and really believe it, that the mirror is going to turn around and say, it's you, Gitto. You know, old enough and ugly enough to know that's not the case. Within days of Gitto's resignation, a number of senior editorial figures had also quit the channel. Facing a torrent of Twitter abuse, Gitto wrote about his experience of taking the knee for the Sunday Times. I think, to be honest, from the support I've had after the initial tsunami of hate came, I must say, at least a sort of a small wave of love and support and respect. And I'm extremely grateful to all those people who've done it in public or who've reached out to me in private to say, well done you. Some of them say disagree with you, but respect you for doing it. That's a better place to be. Did the Prime Minister call? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's isolating <laughs> and struggling to... Did, did he text supportively? No. How do you bring people back together again? You know, from your experience, and any lessons? And is a channel like GB News having a media environment where you have channels like that? Are they part of the problem? Well, GB News was established largely because other channels have excluded certain communities, certain opinions, certain outlooks, certain parts of the UK, certain sort of, there have become sort of no-go areas for conversation. So I was happy to join seeing GB News as part of the remedy for that. And also, though I consider myself a Welshman first and, you know, Brit by default afterwards, there is something about the positivity, the celebration of Britain, rather than this woe that everything we do is bad and we've got to apologize for the sins of the past day in, day out. You know, we've got to find something else that's a modern politician who wasn't even a twinkle in the eye of anyone. It's got to apologize for, you know, slavery or for famine and Ireland, things that happened centuries ago in a different world with different people and different dynamics. This idea that we've got to be burdened by, by our history and ashamed of it. There are shameful things that happened. So we've got to be able to move on and celebrate what is, what is good and what binds us together, not constantly find new things to sort of disagree over. I think we've got to just give things a chance. We've got to be open to persuasion. The mind is like a parachute. Only works if it opens. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, broadcaster and former GB News presenter, Gitto Harry, and editor-in-chief of Broadcast Magazine, Chris Curtis. The producers today were Asya Fuchs and Sevda Moyasari, the executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Gareth Isles. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk which have been published for over a century. 
In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.